you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. If you guys want to call in, this is for the podcast because the YouTube watchers will see the phone number at the bottom of the screen at the beginning of the voicemail segments. But for the podcast listeners, if you don't watch the YouTube channel, the phone number is 1-800-701-8573. Feel free to call in any time of day or night. Leave a voicemail. Leave one if you hate me. Leave one if you love me. Leave one whatever. Just leave one. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Anne from Florida. I'm a big, long-time fan of your show. I had a question, um, thought to ponder. What would you think if um, today, as of today, uh, President Donald Trump had a heart attack or stroke or was otherwise dead or (laughs) incapacitated? What do you think would happen to the Republican Party as it stands right now, um, given its cult-like nature? I had a few thoughts, um, one being that QAnon would claim that he had been murdered. You know, uh, let me interject here real quick and we'll finish. First, what you were saying, you think QAnon would believe that he was murdered? Absolutely. Dude is in his late 70s, I think, right? I mean, how long does he have? His dad, I believe, died of Alzheimer's in his mid-90s. If we're basing it on this, on how old Trump's dad was, Trump has another 10 or 15 years, right? And that's probably not enough time for QAnon to go away. I don't believe QAnon is ever going to go away fully. Its beliefs may morph and change into something a little bit different than it is now, but they'll always be there in the background, I think. When Trump dies... In the next 10, 15, maybe 20 years, if he's lucky, there absolutely will be conspiracy theories about it. No doubt. And they're most likely going to be widespread conspiracies, too. But there'd be a, the number of calls for the election being stolen would drop because that would be Mike Pence would take office. And third, there'd be a huge amount of disorder in the party um, for lack of leadership or perceived leadership. So I'm just wondering what your thought is. Um, Again, I really love your show and appreciate you uh, giving feedback. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Assuming that Trump had like a heart attack tomorrow or something, there absolutely would be a lot of turmoil in the Republican Party. It would be a train wreck. But I think that the party itself would fare better after Trump was gone or otherwise uninvolved in politics because Trump is trying to drag the party down an extremist road. He's not dragging them closer to the center. And if if Trump was otherwise incapacitated and uninvolved in politics completely permanently, I think that the party would be in better shape for that reason. We would all have to deal with the extremism as a society, but Trump is actively doing everything he can to take control of the party. He wants to own it or see it burn to ashes around him, basically. He will do anything up to and including telling Republicans not to vote in 2022. This is an article from Newsweek. It was written on October 15th, 2021 by Ewan Palmer. Title is MAGA Supporters Left Confused by Donald Trump's Call to not vote in midterms or in 2024. 
A number of Donald Trump supporters have criticized the former president's statement suggesting that Republicans not vote in the 2022 midterms or the 2024 election until the false claims of voter fraud in the previous election are solved. Trump has continued to push his baseless claims that the election he lost to President Joe Biden was rigged despite no evidence confirming this 11 months since the vote took place. In a statement on Wednesday, Trump made the confusing threat that his supporters should not vote in the two upcoming elections unless the GOP can fix the baseless claims if widespread voter, of widespread voter fraud. Quote, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 2022 or 24. It is the single most important thing for Republicans to do, he said. Trump is ready to go down with the ship, period. Dude doesn't give a shit anymore. If he's not in power, he doesn't want anyone else in power either. This should be enough evidence to show you that he doesn't care about the well-being of the country. Most Republicans believe that it's in the country's best interest to have a Republican president and Republican legislature, right? Republican Congress. Most Republicans believe that, just like most Democrats believe that it's in the country's best interest to have a Democrat Congress and president. Trump doesn't care. Trump doesn't care what's better for the country. He doesn't care if the Democrats win. He honestly does not give a shit. What Trump cares about is having power, period. And that's obvious based on what we just read. That's what he cares about. He will control it or see it burn to ashes around him. That should be a concerning mindset. The sooner Trump is uninvolved in politics, the better. I wish the guy had just retired and gone on his merry way and played golf in his golden years, but he insists on burying himself in this political structure no matter what. So anyways, point is, yes, Trump would, there absolutely would be conspiracy theories if Trump died or was otherwise incapacitated. And no, I definitely don't think he's letting go of this ever until he dies, probably. Hey, Owen. My name is Sam from Illinois. Um, I'm calling to ask about how you're handling your separation from your mother. Mine is super conservative and really, really deep into QAnon. She's really Catholic. Um, and it's reaching the point where we sort of can't talk anymore. It's not productive. I don't want to give up on her, but none of like the street epistemology, Socratic method, or any of those tactics are helping. She just digs in further. Um, I guess I'm wondering how you take care of yourself in light of having a strained relationship with your mother or a non-relationship. Uh, how do you find peace? And um, I guess if you have any suggestions for trying to reach her or how to know, I guess, when I should leave it. Thanks so much. I really appreciate all that you do. Basically, the only way that I foresee the possibility of reaching anybody is through a Socratic reasoning, street epistemology kind of method, at least in part because... The idea behind the street epistemology method involves you being calm and rational and reasonable and be willing to meet them halfway. When you kind of put on this air, this attitude of calmness and you're, you know, not trying to jump down their throat, not trying to attack or anything, usually they're a little bit more open 
to talking to you or working with you. That being said, it's not going to work with my mom, period. And there's a possibility it may not work with yours either. You and I may have to come to accept that we may never have a relationship with our our mothers again. In my mom's case, she says it's because I'm an apostate. Well, my sister is an apostate too, just as much as I am. In fact, she's helped with my channel before, but she still talks to my sister. So I've had to come to accept that it's not it, it's not for religious reasons. She just fucking hates me. That's just what it is. And when I finally accepted that she just fucking hates me and realized, like, how truly evil that makes her, like, how evil you have to be to feel that way about your own kid, it was pretty simple and straightforward to just walk away from all of it and just stop trying. That's just me, though. I don't know your personal situation or your personal relationship with your own mother. I can only speak to mine. But that's where I am with, uh, with my relationship with her. Uh, hey, Owen. My name is Aurora. I live in Indiana. I was wondering, why do you think um, parents of LGBT children that are in Christian religions such as Catholicism, go to such lengths to uh, essentially verbally harass and abuse their children uh, before they can move out of the house. Uh, really enjoy your videos. Been a big fan for the past few years. A lot of the time with parents, they feel like they have a responsibility on their shoulders to make sure that their kid kind of fits into society, quote-unquote. They'll basically go to any lengths to make sure that their kid fits into society. Unfortunately, the society that they grew up in isn't the same society that we live in now. So they have a completely warped and distorted view of how things should be, if you will. It's a sad situation, but it's been going on like that since the dawn of time. The, pre the previous generation doesn't understand the new generation or the things that are important to them in their lives or the things that are important in society. And they want to make everything exactly like it was in their generation because they think that that has the highest success rate for their kid. Even though that's inaccurate and really what they're doing is driving their kid completely mad it's sad to see but the best that the best thing that we can all do is work together to help people in that situation and try to make it easier for them to tolerate until they can get out of those situations hey owen my name is tyler uh i'm from illinois and i was just watching the video about uh, your grandfather's funeral. Um, I'm sorry to hear about that, by the way. Um, I was just curious if you have considered calling the Kingdom Hall your mother is involved with and outing her for going to the funeral. Do you think that perhaps when she sees how they treat her for doing something like that, she might start to realize that the cult she belongs to actually does not care about her. I'm uh, looking forward to 
hearing your response if you are able to. All right, thank you so much. Bye. I don't think I'm going to call because at this point, like I said, I've come to realize that my mom doesn't, like, avoid talking to me for religious reasons. She just fucking hates me. I've come to that conclusion, and I've completely severed the connection between us now. I have no interest in having any part in her life or remembering her in any way. She has this old clock, this, like, wind-up clock that's probably 100, 150 years old, maybe, like, real old. And when I was little, I used to wind that thing up, you know? I, I have a lot of memories of winding that clock every day. I wanted that clock. When she died, I wanted to have it. I've recently come to the conclusion, the, the decision maybe, that I don't actually want that clock because it would be a constant reminder of my mom. And my mom does need people to remember her because she does not have many. She certainly doesn't have many people who will remember her fondly. But I don't want to add my name to that list of the people that will remember her. I don't want her to be remembered because she was equally as monstrous as my dad in her own ways. I've come to decide, or I've come to realize. So about your question, would I call the Kingdom Hall? I don't think so, because I don't think I want anything to do with her anymore in any capacity at all. And I would actually have to go out of my way to even find out which congregation she was even in before I did that. I don't even know the name of her congregation. And I don't care enough about her to even go that far. The other thing you said was, do, do I think that being shunned by the fellow Jehovah's Witnesses in her congregation would have an effect on her and make her realize what she's done? I doubt it. I think there was a point in her life where that may have worked. It was when my dad was kind of on his way out of the religion, but they were still together. My dad was, like, drinking alcohol again and, and smoking weed again and stuff. It was long after I had already left. And I think my sister was in the process of leaving the religion at that moment, too. So my mom felt like everybody around her was leaving the religion behind. That would have been the moment that she would have left if she were ever going to because she had like slumped on how often she's going to the meetings and, and she wasn't knocking on doors as frequently as she was before and things like that. But she got herself out of that slump and continued on to go to meetings and knock on doors even more and her faith was reinvigorated if you will this was probably 10 years ago give or take the fact that she didn't fall to the wayside then the fact that she didn't give up on the religion then i think means that she will never give up on the religion that being said she actually declined to go to my brother's wedding because she knew that going to worldly weddings was against the rules. It was a big deal at the time. My brother was real upset over that. So she knows that she shouldn't have gone to that funeral. She knows that's in the rules, very specifically, because weddings and funerals are listed together in the literature. No worldly weddings or funerals. She did all of this research what five years ago when he got married and she completely threw it out the door when it was time to go to my grandpa's funeral fascinating right she has her own beliefs and opinions and feelings and is willing to break any rule 
any rule if she wants to. She goes by her rules, not the religion's rules, and she will justify her decisions after. So once again, it's not that she is trying to avoid getting in trouble by talking to me. It's that she just fucking hates me, period. That's what it is. Hi, this is Val from New York. They them pronouns. I just got into a huge uh, argument with my mother about how apparently my facts are different than hers. And this has been a constant thing. She's really deep in QAnon shit. And I am currently living... I'm sorry. I'm currently living in the house with you. And it makes it very, very hard to get by. And I was wondering if you had any tips on how to deal with that. Thank you. I love the show, by the way. I'm sorry you have to deal with this. I absolutely know how you feel when you're in that situation. I know it's not easy. And there are a lot of other people out here who know it's not easy also. A lot of people watching right now have been in that same position. I think the people below may have better advice for you in the comments, but I'll give you my opinion on this. I think if you try to limit the number of direct confrontations that you have, it'll make things a lot easier. Try to avoid the subject at all costs. Try not to discuss this if at all possible. And if you're kind of cornered and you have to discuss it, then be non-confrontational about it. Ask questions. Just ask questions and ask them in a way that isn't going to throw her guard up and make her feel like she's being attacked. Just basic stuff, you know? Why do you feel this way? Can you show me? I want to know. Uh, if you are right, then I want to be right too. That, that kind of thing. Ask, the, ask questions in that way. If you do that, you may be able to get her to tip her hand, if you will. You may be able to get her to... You may be able to point out logical inconsistencies. But if you do get to that point, make sure you do that in a non-confrontational way too. You don't want her to feel like she's being attacked because then her guard's going to go up and all bets are off. You're not going to get anywhere. A conversation isn't going to progress in a productive way. That being said, um, check the comments in this clip and maybe people will have more advice for you. Um, again, just try to avoid direct confrontation if possible, and good luck. I hope things get better for you soon. Oh, and I'm sorry it's called to leave a message for your wife about Jesus being a zombie. Um, and it's a lot of fun when you pull out a dictionary, you get one of these Bible beaters to read the definition of zombie, and you go, that's what you worship, is a zombie, someone who was a living being who died, came back from the dead, and walked around with the living. And that's what they do. And sorry, but Christians worship a zombie as the son of God. There is no... Well, he was the son of God. Um, we all are sons of God, remember? It just... there is. I'm sorry, once they could get them in the zombie, they're stuck. They can't get out of it. You use that for your argument. Bye. Yeah, this guy actually calls in a lot, and he leaves a lot of voicemails, which is cool. Some of them aren't actually intended to be aired. Sometimes he's just giving me a message, and, you know, sometimes he goes off on a tangent that I don't really need to play like it stands on its own. So anyway, I just wanted to mention, appreciate the voicemails. That's awesome. I know that it's strange to everybody else that Jesus really was a zombie, 
and and nobody seems to be acknowledging that fact like in christianity they're not really connecting the dots it's because they grew up with this story being told to them as though it were true once you kind of step out of it and look at it from the outside you really start to realize how outrageous these ideas and beliefs are like you start to recognize how totally disconnected from reality they are. How could anybody possibly believe this stuff? I mean, nonsensical shit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one? What does that even mean? Or God sacrificed himself to himself to appease himself? Why? It, none of it makes any sense. Once you step back and look at it objectively, disconnected from your indoctrination from when you were little, it's nonsense from beginning to end. And most people on the inside really don't realize that because society pretty much all agrees with them. This is a very religiously homogenous society that we live in in the United States, or it has been historically at the very least. And that allows people to believe completely absurd shit with almost no pushback. 25 days a month. Why hasn't our government found out who Q is and let us all know? Hard again. Oh, I'm sure the government knows. I have no doubt. You know, everybody is pretty confident who Q is anyways. It was uh, Ron Watkins, we believe. I mean, we don't know that for a fact, but everybody heavily involved in the movement in any capacity thinks it's Ron Watkins. He's a celebrity in the QAnon circles, because he's like one of the only people who has ever spoken to Q directly or whatever the fuck, because he ran the forum that Q posted to, and he knows who Q is, period, if he isn't Q personally. He had the capability of posting messages as Q if he chose to because he ran the website. So Ron Watkins is Q, lives in Japan, I think, or the Philippines. I think his dad lives in Japan. I'm sorry, his dad lives in the Philippines. He lives in Japan. And I believe that Ron Watkins worked with his dad to continue the QAnon account. I don't think they created it. There are different Q authors also. There wasn't just one, there were more based on writing styles. I have no doubt the government knows exactly who it is. In fact, Trump probably knows who the Q posters were. You should assume the government knows everything in the United States. I don't believe there are any locked doors the government can't get into. I don't think that's conspiracy theory. I think that's just like, you know, the NSA has like broad reach with the Patriot Act. They can do anything. They can record anything. They can tap anything. They can do anything that they want. And they hire the best of the best Ron moved to Arizona and is running for Congress. Holy shit, really? Ron Watkins moved to Arizona and is running for Congress? Is that real? I had no fucking idea. Holy shit, that's a, that's a big deal, actually. He, I believe he is the QAnon poster. azcentral.com. Ron Watkins, believed to be creator of QAnon, claims he's running for Congress in Arizona. Ron Watkins, the man whose bulletin board sites hosted the postings that launched the conspiracy theory QAnon, 
and who some pegged as the author of the cryptic writings, announced that he was running for Congress in Arizona. Watkins, in a video posted online Thursday night, said he was aiming to unseat Tom O'Halloran in District 1, whom Watkins called the dirtiest Democrat in the D.C. swamp. The video was posted to his channel on Telegram, an online message app that was taken up by some pro-Trump supporters after the social media app Parler was removed from online services. Watkins has posted photos in the past week of himself in Arizona. He posted a photo of himself with Tom Horn, a former state attorney general and superintendent of public instruction. Horn is seeking a return to the top education post. He also posted a photo with Carrie Lake, a former anchor for the Phoenix Fox affiliate, who's been drawing a fervent response in her campaign for governor. It's unclear whether Watkins lives in Arizona. Residency is not required to seek election. Oh, that's weird. Candidates must be a resident only at the time of the election itself. Okay, interesting. Well, there you go. We must fix elections from inside the machine, he said on his video. I should cover this in a full video. That blows my mind. I had no idea Ron Watkins was running for Congress in Arizona. I'll have to cover that later. I appreciate the super chats. I had no idea. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Robin Bullock saying that Dr. Fauci is possessed by a demon, and you can tell when you look in his eyes. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to cover is about Pastor Robin Bullock. Now, I've talked about this guy a bunch of times on my podcast and on my main channel. So I wanted to touch on this one more time because he just released a brand new video, which we're about to watch, about how Dr. Fauci is possessed by Satan. And you can tell when you look in his eyes. So let's give this clip a watch by Robin Bullock. This one came out mid-October 2021. And then we're going to watch a few more clips from him. Check this out. There is a serpent that has sent his inbred servant to surround and siege the church. What's his name? Fauci! He's a serpent. And that's all he is. But he's also a rat. And he will be fed to a serpent. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. You ever see a spirit? Anybody in deliverance knows this. You ever see a spirit take hold of somebody, it shapes their looks. What the fuck did I just watch? That was fucking strange. This dude is out there. So Fauci is a serpent and he's a rat and he's going to be eaten up? Is that what he said? He is, but he's also a rat. And he will be fed to a serpent. I just, he's getting so wound up in confusing metaphors that I can't really tell what he's being literal about anymore and, what, and what's metaphorical. It's so hard to make out at this point. This is some real strange shit. Anyway, let's keep listening. You ever see a spirit, anybody in deliverance knows this. You ever see a spirit take hold of somebody, it shapes their looks. That's Fauci. I'm not sure what he's talking about. A, a spirit takes hold of somebody, it shapes their looks. What does he mean by that? You know, I guess 
I guess I could see it if he was talking about Kenneth Copeland. That would check out. But you know he's not talking about Kenneth Copeland. Our old buddy Kenny C. You know he's not talking about him. This guy actually, as far as I know, is good friends with good friends of Kenneth Copeland. I don't think there's any bad blood between them. I mean, they're, they're both televangelists, both Kenneth Copeland and Robin Bullock, and I haven't heard a word about bad blood between them. Though Kenneth Copeland is on the shit list of some other televangelists, like QAnon prophet Johnny Enlow. He's not really on his good list at this moment. At any rate, um, demons aren't real. I can't believe that I'm sitting here and I feel compelled to say this, Demons are fake. When I was a child, I played with childish things, and then I grew up and put those things away. It's time for you to grow up, become an adult, and stop living in fear that every person that you meet is a demon. That's Fauci. Just in case you thought I was backing up, that's Fauci. It has taken him till it turned his looks. Spirits do that. What's wrong with Fauci's looks? I don't understand. What, is, what does he mean Fauci looks like a demon? Like I said, I, I can see it from Kenneth Copeland, but Fauci's just some dude. Why is he so obsessed with Fauci? Back in early July, late June 2021, he actually had something similar to say about somebody else. Give this clip a look, see what he has to say. Now, show the first video about why I only paid that much is because I'm smart. He know how to game the system. Well, guess what, Mr. President? I'm coming for you. Be sure the volume's in the stream well. I want everybody to hear this sound. Now go to the next video and show this one. Now watch this close and listen very closely. 120 days. Give me a break. Need time. What? What are we listening for? Seriously, what, what's the big deal? Joe Biden is giving speeches. Like, why am I sitting on the edge of my seat here? What am I trying to figure out? I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for child care. So she remind them, I wrote the bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. Right, you gotta be kidding me. The, the dude's whispering. What's the big fucking deal? I don't understand. Anyone that's ever dealt in deliverance in the ministry. Oh, here we go. This is the exact line he gave us a minute ago about Fauci. He has special expertise on this subject because he's worked in the specific area of Christianity, which deals with exercising demons and trying to save people's souls and all this other shit. Where they deal with demonic spirits and evil spirits will know that sound. They know exactly what they're hearing. While the press says it's whispers, anyone that's ever been in deliverance ministry knows what that is. It's the voice of a demonic spirit. And people say, well, you know, that's pretty far out, is it? Is it? Yes, it is. It's pretty far out. What spirit is it, brother? It's the spirit of the serpent that possesses the jackal. 
Uh-oh, he's calling Biden a jackal. That's offensive. You guys ready? He's going to call Biden a jackal again in a second. This one's from June 2021. I remember he leaned into the mic and told President Trump, We're coming for you. That is not what he said. And he didn't whisper it like he was a demon. He just got in close to the mic and said, We're coming for you. This, the noise comes out from a mic no matter what. That's just how it works. I can get real close to the mic like this and say, We're coming for you. Like this. Do I sound like a demon? This guy is disconnected from reality. I have to say, it's entertaining as hell to watch. Maybe I should start my own ASMR channel. And he growled out this demonic sound. I can't make the sound, but it was this demonic voice. I've heard him make it again recently. He just desperately needs everything to be the result of a demon, doesn't he? He needs this to be demonic. And he growled this out. When he did, I went back and I took a picture. I think it was at that moment. It was one of the moments I took a picture with my phone right on television. Oh, please, let's see the picture that Robin Bullock took. 100% honest, I'm sure. 100% unphotoshopped. I'm sure of it. And also, I'm sure that it wasn't the result of lighting or anything, right? He took a close-up of a pixelated picture of Biden's face that actually is so pixelated that it looks like a drawing. What is this, like 16 by 16 resolution image or something? Yeah, and it's definitely a snake eye for sure, right? I mean, we can all agree that this is exactly what snakes look like and that there's really a lizard underneath Biden's skin and it's been a lizard person since day one. David Icke was right about everything, right? Okay, it's up there. Now look at the eyes. If you look at the eyes, you'll notice there's there's serpents' pupils. They're slotted pupils. Now, other times they're not like that. But at time, it shows a slotted serpent's eye. And people say, "Oh, that was Photoshop." No, it wasn't either. I took the picture. I love how these people absolutely need Biden to be like a clone or a demon or a snake or a lizard person. It has to be one of those things, or, or all of them. I would think that those are contradictory, right? Is he a clone, or is he a demon? I guess he could be a demon posing as a clone, and I guess demons could potentially be lizard people, right? I guess you could have a lizard person demon. These conspiracies get so insanely elaborate. Here's the problem with it. The more you build a story, the more, like, details you add to this the the more lore you add in the easier it is to poke holes in the story do i even need to poke more holes in this honestly i don't think i'm even watching this to poke holes in it usually i try to debunk this stuff i don't even feel the need to debunk the idea that biden and fauci are lizard people slash demons slash clones in human skin I don't feel like I really even need to debunk it. I think I just have to sit here and enjoy it. Let's just soak this in together. So those were most of his conspiracy theories, so some of the more strange and out there ones. 
But this clip, I believe, this came from early July 2021. And if I remember correctly, this is one where he says, Barack Obama is in the Bible. Barack Obama is in the Bible. Give this a listen. The book of Luke, I believe it is, when it says, I beheld, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Remember that? You've mm -hmm. read that? Oh, yeah. Well, in Hebrew, it says something like this. Okay, now hold on. Just let's put a pause on it. Luke was written in Greek. Why would we be looking at a Hebrew translation of the Greek scriptures? This is the kind of backhanded shit that they do sometimes. They pull up these ideas and, you know, at first glance, it seems to pass the sniff test or whatever. But on closer examination, you realize how completely ridiculous and outrageous what he's saying really is. Why would we be looking at Greek scriptures in Hebrew? If you read it in Hebrew, it says something like this. I beheld uh, Satan uh, fall from the heights, or actually it says, I beheld Satan as Barak Obama. What? It says it. It says, I beheld him as Bar Barack uh, Balmall. This guy is just eating it up. This guy on the left, Steve Schultz, he is like, he's taking this. Something like that. Something In other words, it refers to that name, Barack Obama. And he says he did. Okay, no, it doesn't refer to Barack Obama, the name Barack Obama. First of all, there is some basis to this. Uh, what is it? Okay, that's um, Luke 10.18 is what that is. You can pull up a, an interlinear version of the Bible and look at different translations for this. If you type in Luke 10.18 interlinear into Google, it'll pull this up. You, you, there are like a billion interlinear Bibles. This one is BibleHub.com. That's what I'm using here. It will show you word for word what the translation is. The English one is, he said then to them, I beheld Satan as lightning out of the heaven having fallen. Obviously kind of seems like nonsense because the words are like out of order. It's not really a direct, or the, the translation is too direct to make sense of. That's why like when people are translating from like Greek to English or Hebrew to English or whatever, they will take the meaning of the words and not the exact words, because the Bible would be even more nonsensical than it is if they took the exact words and stuck them in place. He said then to them, I beheld Satan as lightning out of the heaven having fallen. I think the third line here is the Greek, but if you click on the words, then it will give you more information on what they are. Um, the word translates to lightning, this one specific word. A strapin, it looks like, or a strapin or something like that. Like I said, this verse was written in Greek, so it makes sense that they would be translating the Greek. I don't know why they would be translating this verse to Hebrew. It wasn't written in Hebrew. It's never been in Hebrew. It doesn't belong in Hebrew, nothing to do with Hebrew at all. But if you pull up the Hebrew, I believe the word Barak translates in Hebrew to um, the word Barak, similarly pronounced in Hebrew, means lightning. And it means blessing in a different language. It's a common name in certain specific languages, and that's why Obama was named Barak in the first place. I don't see any record of... 
Obama in Hebrew. Like, there's no direct translation from Obama to any other word. And actually, from my understanding, Barack isn't even an exact translation. So this guy is just completely full of shit. But again, did I really need to do the research? Did I really need to read into this to figure out that this guy is completely full of shit? I knew from the start he was full of it. But it's still entertaining as hell to listen to him just go completely off the rails. What? It says it. It says I beheld him as Barack Balmall or something like that. In other words, it refers to that name, Barack Obama. And he says he didn't say he was Satan. He said I beheld him as him. And so he walks out on the throne of Satan, declares everything he declares, signs into law, Baal worship, just like that. What is he even talking about? Walks out on Satan's throne, declares Baal worship just like that? Where is he even getting all of this? This is confusing as hell. And aren't we past the Barack Obama shit? Dude hasn't been president for fucking like 10 years at this point. Seriously. Why are we even talking about Barack Obama anymore? You guys remember Chuck Norris saying that we would fall into a thousand years of darkness if Obama won the election. You remember that shit? I don't think there's a video of it, but let's see. Let me see if I can find a video on it. I don't think so. Yeah, Norris warns of a thousand years of darkness. ABC News. This is written September 4th, 2012. Uh, Chuck Norris warns of a thousand years of darkness if Obama re-elected. Action film actor and martial artist Chuck Norris issued a grave warning to America's voters this week. Head to the ballot box or sentence your children to a thousand years of darkness. Norris, along with his wife Gina, filmed a two-minute video urging people to unite for God and country by casting their ballots against Obama this November. Oh my god, is there a video? Oh, please tell me there's a video. Wait a minute. I need to find the video. If there's a video of it, I'm finding it. Please tell me there's a video. Okay, check this out. Apparently this video is from 2012. Give this a watch. Hi, I'm Chuck Norris, and this is my wife, Gina. We are here to talk about a growing concern we all share. If we look to history, our great country and freedom are under attack. We're at a tipping point, and quite possibly our country as we know it may be lost forever if we don't change the course our country is headed. With our country at a crossroads, Chuck and I have asked ourselves what we can be doing to help support this great country we're blessed to live in and how we can encourage our like-minded American brothers and sisters to unite and let their voices be heard. It is estimated that in the 2008 election, 30 million evangelical Christians stayed home on voting day, and Obama won the election by 10 million votes. We know you love your family and your freedom as much as Gina and I do, and it is because of that we can no longer sit quietly or stand on the sidelines and watch our country go the way of socialism or something much worse. See, this shit existed before Trump. Like, I know a lot of people are getting involved in politics for the first time as a direct result of Donald Trump going completely off the rails. And I got more involved in politics as a direct result of Trump going completely off the rails. Like, I've been paying attention since before Trump even ran, but not this close attention. Like, I've been paying real close attention lately. But it, it was always like this. It's It's been like this since at least the early 2000s. Since the Bush campaign, it's been like this, at least. I know other people who can attest to it being like this even before that. 
Ronald Reagan leaned into this kind of bizarre headspace where they're just obsessed and hyper-focused on very specific, nonsensical things like this. Our only hope is for each of us to make sure we have not only registered to vote in the primary and the general elections for 2012, but to make sure our voices will be heard by casting our vote on election day. As Edmund Burke said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men and women do nothing. Our great president, Ronald Reagan, said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. President Reagan went on to say that you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this last best hope for man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us, we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. Please stand with us. Let's unite for God and country, and may God continue to bless the United States of America. See you at the polls. Thank you. Wow. Well, like, what do you even say? These people are so completely propagandized from beginning to end. There, there isn't an original thought in their heads that didn't come from the party, the Republican Party. And they are so convinced that Obama winning a second term is going to plunge the United States and the world, uh, apparently, into a thousand years of darkness, that they're willing to stake their reputations on making sure it doesn't happen. And now it happened. And did we plunge into a thousand years of darkness? No. In fact, Michelle Bachman seems to believe that we were in a golden age when Trump was president, but we're in a thousand years of darkness when the Democrat wins. Then we go back to the golden age for Trump, and now we're in the end times. We're basically on the precipice of Armageddon now that Biden is president. Disconnected from reality, I'm telling you. Disconnected from reality. We live in two separate worlds. But again, like I said, it is entertaining as hell to watch these people just go completely off the rails. Next, we're going to talk about Senate candidate Lauren Witzke melting down over how persecuted white people are in America. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a woman named Lauren Witzke. I would forgive you if you'd never heard of her, but let me tell you a little bit about who she is. She was a host on the True News podcast or TV show or whatever. I think they're on TV, True News is, with Rick Wiles. She was a host on Rick Wiles' TV show. This is who Rick Wiles is, if you don't remember. You know what they're doing here in Florida? The governor wants a bill passed in Florida to empower citizens to looters and rioters. Yes, sir. Get it done, Governor. The people are with you. We're going 
to defend this state of Florida. We're not going to put up with this stuff anymore. The left, you better pack up and flee. You better, if you're part of this communist revolution, lefties, you better get out of the country. If, if we find out you're a part of the communist revolution, we're coming after you. All right. I don't care. FBI, put my name down on a list. Go ahead and do it. Do it. I don't care. Dude is a deranged wingnut. That's not an insult. That's just a description of his perspective on the world and how we should be dealing with him, which is to say we should be very careful because I, I think his connection to reality is very tenuous, seriously. So that's where she got famous, basically, was with True News. Now, as far as I can remember, I don't believe she's on True News anymore. I think she's a former True News host. But she's been making the rounds. She got on InfoWars and all of the other shows, and she's she's been using her fame. Uh, she ran for Congress, as a matter of fact, in Delaware, I believe. And things started to get weird when she ran for Congress. Real weird. This is an appearance she made on InfoWars early July 2021 with Alex Jones. Let's give this clip a watch and see what she had to say. There is a war on Christians. They did this. They targeted me and they made an example out of me. Okay, so let me give you some context here. Financial blacklisting. Wells Fargo shuts down GOP Senate candidate Lauren Witzke's bank account. Is that true? I actually did some digging. I wanted to know for sure. She tells us Wells Fargo closed her account and didn't say why. Like, there's no explicit reason given. It could have been a number of things. Could have been anything. It could have been they thought that she was using it as a scam. She, you know, it could have been used in fraud. Could have been any number of reasons why. But guess what she gravitates to as the reason? Her political beliefs, of course. She wants to turn this into a persecution thing. This is her tweet on the subject the day that it happened, or shortly after. June 15th is when this tweet was sent. Wells Fargo has shut down my bank account, taking all of my money and leaving me with a zero balance. That's not how that works. They take your money and they write a check to you and they mail that check to you. They didn't take all of your money and leave you with a zero balance. They sent you a check in the mail. That's how banks do it. When I called Wells Fargo, they told me it was a business decision and that they have the right to close my account at any time. Okay, right there she's admitting they didn't tell her that it was any political reasoning or anything like that. Had I not been surrounded by friends in Florida, I would be completely stranded. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess Wells Fargo was kind of fucked up for closing your account like that with no warning or whatever. But that doesn't justify you blaming it on you being a conservative. There is no justification for you claiming that it was because you're a conservative and they don't like conservatives. Completely unfounded. Here's the final line of the tweet. Use this as a warning and get your money out of Wells Fargo if you're a conservative. This is so evil. Again, was not because she was a conservative. She didn't even claim that they said it was for that reason. And they certainly didn't claim that it was for that reason either, on their end. Anyways, let's keep listening. 
me and they made an example out of me because I'm an outspoken Christian who vocally opposes the Equality Act. Listen, Alex, I don't know if you know much about it, but they're about to they're trying to illegalize Jesus Christ and the the scripture and categorize absolutely. it. Absolutely. Just like in Europe they're and Canada where they're arresting pastors. Tell folks about it. Yeah, absolutely. So what it will do is it will classify scripture uh, belief in traditional marriage uh, as hate speech. They can arrest that abortionist or that doctor or that nurse that chooses to um, take the biblical approach and change their lives. It's obviously complete nonsense from beginning to end. It is just a persecution complex, nothing more. She's making up uh, most of this. There are tiny grains of truth in some of the things that she's saying, but just barely. They're going to arrest a doctor for not performing a medical procedure? Like, what is she even talking about? It's all nonsense. Children who struggle with gender identity, now it's going to make them illegal for them to pursue therapy to change their mind. Oh, is she talking about, like, conversion therapy being illegal and things like that? Yeah, it definitely should be, because it's not therapy. It's not based in science. It's nonsense, and it's harmful. And churches shouldn't have the right to hurt people like that. I don't give a shit if it's your religious belief. You can't hurt people. You know we outlawed child sacrifice too? We outlaw religious practices that are directly harmful to people. That's just how it is. She wants to find some reason why she's being persecuted at any cost. This woman's specialty is the persecution complex. Kent Hovind's specialty is fear tactics and framing things as though they're religions. This person's specialty is the persecution complex. That's what it's all about for her. It's basically the cult trying to make it illegal to leave the cult. Yes. What are they even talking about? They're giving us no information on this. They're just using this persecution complex to freak people out. They made this gig gigantic logical leap to this thing that they hate is a cult. No basis to believe that in any way. And then they're using the law to exacerbate this persecution complex, say that there's some law that's going to illegalize Christianity and force you to be a member of a cult. This is just nonsense from beginning to end, but it gets worse. Let's keep listening. Exactly. Um, and even just quoting scripture will be classified as hate speech. Quoting scripture is going to be classified as hate speech. Give me a fucking break. This is the majority religion in the United States. They are in all the powerful positions in the U.S. I don't know of a single president that hasn't been openly Christian. Is there one? At least in the past hundred years? One president in the past hundred years that hasn't been openly Christian? Or claimed to be Christian at the very least? You have to claim to be Christian to win any Republican elections, any. Now, there are a couple of examples of non-theistic or some, in some cases even Muslims winning a seat in Congress. I think Ilhan Omar it may be Muslim, and I think we might have a single atheist in Congress, maybe. Uh, maybe a Buddhist? 
But it is nearly impossible to win an election if you aren't a Christian, a hardline Christian, seriously. But no, they're the persecuted ones. What it is going to do, it is going to make Christianity a crime on a federal level. We cannot allow this to go any further. We're going to lose everything. If we give our enemy an inch, he's going to take the whole thing. As you've seen, Alex, you know, you've watched as this slow fade has happened and we have allowed it to happen. And it's gotten to the point now where we're all going to end up in Kamala's gulags unless we all stand up together and fight back uh, as Christians. This is so unhinged. Like, I don't, I don't even know what, how do you even respond to something like this? Just before she put that out, she was on her True News channel, you know, the, the thing with Rick Wiles. She was a host on there. And she was talking about that whole thing where Marjorie Taylor Greene compared wearing masks to the Holocaust. You guys remember that shit? Here's what Marjorie Taylor Greene originally said. This is from CNN Politics. Mid-May 2021 is when she said this. You know, we can look back at a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second-class citizens, so much so that they were put in trains and taken to in Nazi Germany, Green said, and this is exactly the type of abuse that Nancy Pelosi is talking about. By telling people to wear masks or to get vaccinated, that's the kind of thing Nancy Pelosi was talking about. Well, that kind of backfired on Marjorie Taylor Greene, like, heavily. So she had to come out and apologize for it. This apology came out mid-June 2021. Check this out. I wanted to say that I know that words that I've stated were hurtful, and, and for that, I am very sorry. There is no comparison to the Holocaust, and there never should be, and that's what I'm sorry for. I'm honestly really surprised that Marjorie Taylor Greene apologized like that. Who has so much sway with this person that they could get her to come out and publicly apologize for something like that? I am honestly surprised by it. Well, Lauren Witzke, she wasn't exactly happy about Marjorie Taylor Greene's apology. She had some shit to say about it. This was immediately after the apology, basically, when this clip came out. Give this a watch. She was right. Marjorie, lean in. Never apologize. That is my advice I would give her because that is just, that was a hostage video it looked like, didn't it? It was awkward. It was weird. I don't really think she meant it because I wouldn't have meant it, you know? It Who came up to Marjorie Taylor Greene and said to her, you need to apologize for this or else? And what were they holding over her head? This is something she obviously believes. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene's been talking about how vaccines and mask wearing is like the Holocaust for who knows how fucking long. Since the start of the pandemic, she's been saying this shit. Anyway, let's continue. You know, it, she was absolutely 100% right. What more evidence do you need when they already have us in order to purchase things? We have to present a vaccine card. If you Eventually, it's going to be if you want to travel, if you want to fly. You know, this is all a precursor to the mass genocide of the American people. Oh, okay, wow, we jumped from getting on an airplane to mass genocide. That was kind of a big leap. I don't know how we got there, but I actually live in New York City, and there's a vaccine mandate here. You have to, ha you have to be vaccinated if you want to eat out or go, go inside anywhere, basically. You have to be vaccinated, and I am. I am vaccinated, and I have my card with me. I've lived here for, what, seven months now, I think, maybe? I have not one single time ever been asked for my vaccine card, even though there's a vaccine mandate.
They've never asked for my papers on this. And I think the reason is because I'm not acting like a fool going out and getting into shenaniganery all willy-nilly, just doing whatever the fuck I want, not giving a shit about other people or how it could affect them. I think that's maybe why I haven't been carded. Because I stay home unless I am working. If I'm working on something, I'll go out. If I need to get groceries, I'll go out. Grocery store has not carded me. If I need to get on a subway train, I do it. And they haven't carded me at the subway station. Land-based travel and grocery stores are still perfectly open to everybody, even in the most one of the most progressive cities in the country, and one of the earliest ones to create a vaccine mandate within city limits. I have not been carded one time for my vaccine card. Seems pretty obvious to me at this point that it's still just more fear-mongering. They're just trying to freak people out, get them worked up into a blood frenzy, and willing to do anything to change the situation. I mean, that is... Lauren Witzke's MO anyways, right? Fear tactics and persecution complex. So there's a new clip just came out mid-October. This is the one that I really wanted to get to. Um, she had some interesting shit to say on this clip. So let's give this one a watch and see what she had to say for herself. Again, remember, she's not on True News anymore. This is her going on programs solo. Or white straight males are the most persecuted uh, class demographic in the United States of America right now, especially. Wow, just right out of the gate with that one. White males are the most persecuted demographic in the United States. Is that what she said? White straight males are the most persecuted uh, class demographic in the United States of America right now. Once again, the persecution complex in full force. Seriously, she wants to make people feel like they are being held down and hurt badly. Why is this in the back of her head 24 seven? Graphic in the United States of America right now, especially in the workforce. The anti-white system that advocates for us, like people like us to not have a voice, uh, to not have any rights, like kind of considering us like second class citizens that don't deserve rights is what they kind of try to treat us as. They think that the system, the anti-white system is gonna spare them too, and it is not. This anti-white system, it's coming for all of us. You know what I find fascinating about this? This is a trend that I've noticed among specific cults and politically. I've seen this happening a lot politically, too. When there's a grievance from one side, what the other side will do is they will take that grievance and turn it into something. They, they will internalize it. The other side will take it for their own. For example... You've got Black Lives Matter complaining about the fact that police are hurting them and mistreating them. Rightfully, they are correct. Police really are doing this shit to them. And people like Lauren Witzke will take that grievance, twist it into the, the system is rigged against white people. Suddenly, white people have this burning anger, this hurt. You know, I was wronged by a lot of other people. You know, the system is rigged against me. They want to make it all about them. This is not the first time I've seen this happen. Groups do this kind of thing all the time, at least in part because they need to be persecuted. A lot of groups use that persecution complex as a method of building enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is something that can be measured, and it is measured in a lot of presidential elections and things like that. The more enthusiastic a group is about the leader, 
the more likely they are to donate everything that they have, even if they can't afford it, the more willing they are to go out there and put boots on the ground and knock on doors. I'm not just talking politically. I mean like Jehovah's Witnesses desperately trying to build enthusiasm. And they use a persecution complex to that end. Donald Trump's enthusiasm was way, way higher than Hillary Clinton's enthusiasm in the 2016 election. Most people were like, you know, I don't want Donald Trump, so I guess I'll vote for Hillary Clinton. Very few, proportionally, people desperately wanted Hillary Clinton. Very few. But there were a lot of Republican voters who desperately wanted Trump. Trump's enthusiasm factor was significantly higher than Hillary's. It was completely because of the Electoral College that Trump won in 2016, but that's beside the point. The point is, enthusiasm wins elections. Enthusiasm counts for everything among cults. And you build that enthusiasm by getting people worked into a blood frenzy over how persecuted they are. Let's keep listening. And it is not. This anti-white system, it's coming for all of us. People are starting to notice more and more that every commercial uh, is trying to push some kind of degeneracy on you, something anti-white on you, if you don't notice. Um, I don't notice. Please give me more information. I have not seen any of this. Well, first of all, I don't really watch commercials, like, basically at all. But aside from that, I mean, I, I don't see any ads that are pushing anything anti-white. And... You know, I, I would be the first to call it out. Like, if something is anti-white, it's still racist, right? I don't give a shit. I haven't seen a single example of that. You, if you don't notice, um, if you haven't noticed, I mean, everybody's starting to notice. It's all part of a giant humiliation ritual. That's what it was when they took down our historical monuments. It was a humiliation ritual. Oh, your heritage, everything you're proud of, we're going to give it away and hand it over to these animals and let them take it, tear it down, vandalize it right in front of you, and we're not gonna do anything about it. You know, that's what it is. It's, a, it's meant to demoralize you as a person. What? It's meant to demoralize you as a person? Taking down statues? I assume she's talking about the Civil War era statues, many of which were erected between 19... 10 and 1940, 1950, in an effort to intimidate the black people in those towns into remembering who is in charge. A lot of them were erected for that specific reason. And she's talking about how taking those statues down is demoralizing to white people. I mean, is this even dog whistling anymore? Is she even like pretending anymore? She's in here with some dude named nowhitegilt.org. Who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is Jared George? I get the impression that these people are legitimate full-blown neo-Nazis based on the context of this conversation. This is not even a dog whistle anymore at this point. And this person ran for Congress, will probably run for Congress again, was a host on Rick Wiles' TV show. If we find out you're a part of the communist revolution, we're coming after you. All right. I don't care. FBI, put my name down on a list. Go ahead and do it. Do it. I don't care. Has been on Alex Jones' TV show regularly and is trying to get into Congress. That's concerning. 
Next, we're going to talk about Texas and Florida's bizarre laws compelling kids to say the Pledge of Allegiance unless they have parental consent. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, Law Professor, Kids Shouldn't Need Parental Consent to Avoid Saying the Pledge. This is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, and I wanted to give this article a read particularly because it's actually pretty important to me personally. When I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to say the Pledge of Allegiance because I was a Jehovah's Witness when I was little. And it was just one more thing that set me aside from the rest of the kids. I wasn't allowed to celebrate the holidays. I wasn't allowed to do the whole Valentine's thing where all the kids pass out Valentine's to each other and you all have pouches on the side of your desk, you know? Wasn't allowed to take part. Wasn't allowed to do anything Christmas-related or Halloween-related. It actually cut out a big part of the socialization that I had in school and set me apart from everybody else. I don't know what Jehovah's Witnesses' goal really is, in preventing their people from saying the Pledge of Allegiance or celebrating the holidays or whatever. I don't know if their goal is to segregate their people from the rest of society, but that was its effect on me, and it wasn't good. With all that being said, I do want to point out I am actually not in favor of saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I think it's antiquated and fucking weird, and we absolutely shouldn't do it. Seriously, think about the words that you're saying. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Think about that. Why are you saying those words? That's fucking strange. You are pledging your allegiance to a government and a flag and shit like that? Why is a five-year-old doing this? This should not exist, in my opinion. Anyways, let's read this article and see exactly what's going on here. As regular readers of this site know, public school students don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance in school. And by the way, on a personal note, the reason that that law exists that allows us to is in part thanks to Jehovah's Witnesses. They fought that legal battle to not say the Pledge of Allegiance. I actually knew the woman who fought the battle. Her name was Gaithy Barnett. And uh, you can look up the case. I think it's United States v. Barnett or something like that. I don't remember the exact case, but I knew her personally. She, she died when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something. Went over to her house all the time. She had lawyers coming over and talking to her and interviewing her from time to time about the cases. Let's get back to the article. They have every right to stand silently or remain seated during the pledge. Some students chose that option because they're atheists who don't believe we're a nation under God, while others don't because they know we don't actually have liberty and justice for all. Whatever reason, students can't be punished for their refusal to say the pledge. It took a couple of important legal battles to solidify that right. There's an excellent podcast explaining the details, but that's the law, except in two states, 
Florida, and Texas. It's always Florida and Texas, isn't it? Yes, it is. In those states, the law says students can only get out of saying the pledge if they have their parents' permission. What happens if you're a student who doesn't want to say the pledge, but you don't have the support of your parents? Too bad, you're out of luck. Something I find interesting about this is the United States can't compel speech. How can you honestly be forced to say something? Seriously, sit down and think about this for a minute. How can you be forced to say something by your government. That is absurd, completely absurd. Let's keep reading. In Texas in 2018, a case was settled without deciding that question. In Florida in 2008, however, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled narrowly in favor of a particular student who didn't want to say the pledge, but ultimately allowed the law to stand. Parents still had power. This is a quote. The state, in restricting the student's freedom of speech, advances the protection of the constitutional rights of parents. We also recognize that a parent's right to interfere with the wishes of his child is stronger than a public school official's right to interfere on behalf of the school's own interests. We conclude that the state's interest in recognizing and protecting the rights of parents on some educational issues is sufficient to justify the restriction of some students' freedom of speech. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. Now Caroline Mala Corbin, a professor of law at University of Miami, who has written extensively on church-state separation, has published a paper that will soon appear in the Indiana Law Journal, picking apart the problems with the 11th Circuit ruling. I won't go into all the details here. The paper isn't written for a lay audience, though it's easy to read and really gets to the heart of why students alone should be deciding whether or not to stand for the pledge. But essentially, Corbin argues that the justifications Florida and Texas have used in giving parents the authority to force their kids to say the pledge make no sense and ought to be overturned. Here's another quote. Forcing students to pledge against their will exemplify all the harms of compelled speech. The claim that parents' constitutional rights to control the upbringing of their children justifies making the right to refuse contingent on parental permission understands the nature of the parent's right. It's meant to protect the parents from the state, not to empower parents to trample on the rights of their children. In short, a law that demands recitation of the pledge also means it demands affirmation of some viewpoints over others. A compulsion anathema to free speech. Absolutely agreed. I couldn't possibly agree with this anymore. Seriously. How can anybody justify compelling speech from anybody, even kids? I understand that kids need to be protected to some degree from certain things. Like, for example, we can't allow kids to go around smoking tobacco. We can't allow kids to go drinking alcohol and stuff. I get that. Those are restrictions on kids that adults don't have that I'm okay with. There are a lot of restrictions on kids I'm okay with for their own safety. But that's for safety reasons. Ultimately, it boils down to compelled speech. You are forcing kids to say something or to do something that has no tangible benefit whatsoever, aside from inspiring patriotism. It's fucking disgusting. It shouldn't work that way. The rest of the country has realized that it shouldn't work that way and is on board 100%, but for some bizarre reason, Texas and Florida cannot get over themselves and remain the hang-up on this straightforward issue. 
it blows my mind. How is this law even legal anyways? I thought this was decided at a federal level and states can't override the federal level. That was my understanding of how it works. Obviously, I don't fully understand how it's all structured. I don't fully understand the laws and all that stuff, but it just seems nonsensical to me at its face that Florida and Texas can force kids to do this. Here's another quote. The decision whether to participate or not participate in the Pledge of Allegiance does not carry potential serious consequences. Indeed, exercising this decision-making is crucial to developing their capacities as future citizens, the avowed goal of public school education. This is from Hemant Mehta again. All of this is sensible. There are solid reasons judges should overturn these laws if they're ever challenged in the future. No students should have to say the pledge if they don't want to, and it shouldn't matter if their parents agree with them. I absolutely agree. Parents should have the final say in certain things, like, for example, it, medical decisions or whether or not the kid's allowed to get a tattoo. I think a parent should have a say in that. Or getting married, parents should probably have the say in that. Things that could seriously, adversely affect a kid's life when their brains may not be fully developed enough to make such a serious decision. Say six years old. Kid is not old enough to decide, I want to be married. A parent shouldn't even be making that decision for a six-year-old. The state should say, you're not allowed to do that yet. But parents should have final say. There should be like a, a, a protective buffer to prevent kids from making horrifically bad decisions that will affect their lives until the end. But saying the Pledge of Allegiance is not one of those things. Why is saying the pledge or even standing for the pledge important in the first place. Why do we say it in the first place? There is no justification for Texas and Florida preventing kids from just sitting down for it or just standing and not saying it. No justification for that. I say this as a former Jehovah's Witness, but now I'm saying it as an atheist who's absolutely disgusted by this repetitive chanting that we shouldn't be doing as a society anyways. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.